This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog This is the couch gazing at me She's watched the show like a lot of times Who is gonna be chief of surgery? Shonda Rhimes wrote the show and it is really, really good. Meredith Grey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. I am very happy that I got to record this episode with Amanda Hunt, who is a comedian uh, in New York and wanted to talk about Ellis Gray, which obviously, I mean, such an iconic character, not just in the moments that we see her, but in the impact that she had on Meredith's life. We kind of trace her through her presence in the show and honestly, even after she leaves the show and it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. The, thank you again for everyone uh, to everyone who continues to tweet at me at Unsilverberg about this current season of Grey's and also about uh, things and episodes. I always love hearing from you. And if you have not left a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that would also be great. Uh, yeah. I don't want to stall anymore. Let's get straight into the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. Uh, this is uh, going to be a great episode. We have Amanda Hunt here, and we're going to talk about Ellis Gray. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here to talk about Grey's. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so I, the question I always ask to start out with is, what is your Grey's journey? Wow. <laughs> you know, you think about it, but you never think you'll tell anyone else about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a private thing. And here I am asking you to just tell it to my redacted number of listeners. I genuinely <laughs> don't know and kind of scares me to think about it. <laughs> listeners, take your indiscriminate numbers and don't judge me. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I think it had already been on for a, either a season or like half a season. Okay. But... I lived in a 
in like a, oh my God, I must have been a freshman. I was a freshman because I only lived in an apartment complex my freshman year at the mm-hmm. University of Arizona. Oh my God, wait, <laughs> I'm from Tucson. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. What dorm? Uh, so I lived in the Euclid Apartments, like across the street from Manzimo. Yeah, uh-huh. I had a <laughs> lot of friends. I mean, a lot of freshmen live in Manzimo. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had a lot of friends. That is so funny. Ugh. I almost wore my U of A knit hat today. And I then freaked. I thought it wasn't cold enough. You were right, though. What did you study at U of A? So I majored in musical theater, believe it or not. (laughs) Were you in the BFA program? I was. Oh my gosh. Wait, what year did you graduate? I graduated in redacted. I mean, I probably saw you in stuff because I graduated from, (laughs) I graduated from high school in 2009. So I, (laughs) which is, um, uh, was yeah, and so I I went to oh my god I went to like everything I was That's obsessed wild. yeah oh my gosh that is so crazy I never meet people who are from Arizona or went to U of A That's so crazy oh my gosh I saw oh my gosh I saw Candide I saw Urantown I saw Titus Andronicus What did I see when I was earlier in high school Ugh. I bet I saw you and stuff. I'm That's guessing maybe crazy. she loves me. I did see that. I was. I had a very. <laughs> I had a specific line. I would like a cake of Castile oh my soap. God, I was huge in the BFA program. <laughs> That's crazy. Featured chorus four years running. <laughs> oh my gosh, we probably were starting to watch Grease at the same time in the same city, but wow. just like. In uh, either mountain or Pacific time, depending on what time of year it was. I know. Oh, my gosh. One more week for my parents to be three hours apart from me. And then starting uh, then it's going to be two. That is that is so cuckoo to me. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's awesome. I, I bet that this was amazing for everyone to listen to. Wow. But it was really good for me. Wait. OK. So you. OK. So where are you from originally? So I grew up in North Carolina in okay. Greensboro. Oh, so that's a big, that was a big change. Yeah, I uh, I applied to like six BFA programs. Uh, I got into Emerson and U of A. Okay. And U- Emerson was not as comprehensive of a program when I applied. Now they've got all the things. But yeah. they were like, oh, you can take dance lessons at Boston Conservatory. And it's like, this is an expensive school. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking extra dance lessons somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. And U of A at the time had the number two dance program in the country. I will have you know. (laughs) Oh, an incredible optics program, incredible dance. There's a planetarium there. It's great. Great I mean, business school. Great business school. My mom teaches at the uh, at Eller in in accounting. Wow. This world. It's so small. My parents both went to U of A and uh, and yeah, and I did not go, but I am a (laughs) massive Arizona basketball fan. And yeah, yeah, grew up in Tucson. Yeah. I mean, I was I was genuinely probably a mile and a half away from you when I was watching Grey's. And wow. you were watching Grey's. That is just crazy. So it was the first it had been like the first season and you started watching. I got pulled in to a bunch of some actually some dance majors, believe it or not. And I am sorry to brag, but wow, some very talented dancers. Uh <laughs> Asked me over to their apartment to watch Grays. Yeah, well, dancers know about art, so this yeah. is all checking out for me. And they are truly stretching on the floor and yeah. are like, "You gotta watch, you gotta watch." And I was like, "I just want to be a part of this. I don't care about this show, right?" Yeah. Uh, and then it was, it was the time of Denny Duquette. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that'll hook you. I was in. Oh my God. I don't think I've ever recovered from the lo- <laughs> the loss of Denny. Yeah. I mean, many haven't. <laughs> to be honest, you're in great company. 
That's so funny. So did you wait? You just did you go back and start from the beginning? I have seen most of the episodes from the beginning, and then I, I think because I I don't know how long Denny. I don't know how long it had been on. Like I cannot do the math, but yeah, I have Denny was now. like season. Season two. Okay, that so, feels right. Yeah, and season one is short. It's only 13 episodes. Yeah. So you you probably only missed a little bit. But I think when I moved to the city and was like auditioning and waiting tables, mm-hmm. I'm fairly confident I caught the rest on Lifetime. Oh, in, yeah. During the day, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm oh, like, yeah. Okay, this is my person. We're doing tequila. Yeah. We got the whole nine here. That's amazing. And Okay, and then you... But you you stopped at a certain point, you were telling me. I left during season 11, uh, not That's... to turn back. And it was because it was specific. Yeah. It was the Cali in Arizona episode where they're doing a break and they keep breaking it to like hook up or like yeah. do whatever. And I was just like rooting for them so hard. And when they broke up, you know, this was after a plane crash. Yeah. After the loss of Mark Sloan, after so much tragedy. Car crash, Sophia. I mean. The leg. The the... leg. After the leg. I know. And I was just like, we don't even get one moment of them being happy. And I had to walk away. Yeah, they had a really rough patch. That's, that's such a, that's such an admirable <laughs> walk away. Be- well, because I think a lot of people tend to quit because it just seems it's not so much of an emotional tie as much as it's just the logic. The yeah. logic it feels feels shaky somewhere. You're like, I can't suspend disbelief anymore. I don't know as many people who left for like emotional character-based reasons. And I think that's really noble. I mean, logic has never been something I care about. Like, I watched Once Upon a Time all seven seasons. Uh, I watched Nip Tuck through to the end. Yeah. But when when Arizona and Callie were like, oh, we've spent a whole episode making you think we're going to get back together and we're done. Yeah. I'm still mad. I'm actually still mad about it. I think that's fair. I think, well, and I also think it's just a testament to like, how hard you end up rooting for certain Grey's characters because yes. I I also can get riled up about certain things too. Can you tell me? Yes. Is Bailey happy? That's actually a really really fraught question okay. because I don't think she is, but I don't know. Well, okay, I think like as of this past episode, she's very, very happy um, because she and um, her husband, Ben Warren, are going to have a baby, which is really exciting. Oh, Um, Yeah, she's like very happy and I think was like scared at first and didn't know how Ben was going to react because um, Tucker at this point is like, like honestly like about to go to college like he's like in high school and stuff like that so it's like they're about to have a kid who like leaves the house in the next couple years max yeah and so now it's like oh my god do they want to like start all over so that's like that's good but yeah no bailey i think has had a pretty rough go of it and it's hard to tell how much of it is like i think a lot of it is like being at the whims of the series i don't Mm -hmm. know if you know this but like Ben Warren is now no longer on Grey's Anatomy. He's on the spinoff, Station 19, and he because he becomes a firefighter after being an anesthesiologist and a surgeon in between that. Yes, yes. He, uh, wow, what a what a yeah. journey. Car- uh, career pivots have been like a, a an absolute uh, pillar mm-hmm. of his personality, which is crazy <laughs> and expensive <laughs> and expensive and like confusing. And it's fine, mm-hmm. but like. 
So he becomes a firefighter and like she is like anxious all the time about him getting hurt. So like right. she she had a heart attack somewhat recently. Oh That's my God. coming after the OCD. So like there's just kind of a general and she's chief of surgery now which oh, is amazing well, that's wonderful but she doesn't I don't think she feels super fulfilled by the job because she doesn't do as much surgery so it's like right it's really I feel like Miranda Bailey has gotten the short end of the stick Wait, narratively so had OCD and now does not have it uh so that's actually been like a topic of debate on this very podcast mm-hmm. I think that she we are supposed to think that she is that she has it under control in some meaningful way. That like she takes yeah, that's managed OCD. That like she takes medication and that it's a part of her life, but it's not something that like uh, ever shows up in any plots, personality points, or uh, canon for the most part. (laughs) Gotcha. But like, I don't think they ever were like, oh, that was a fluke. I think like we, you know, it's still still there, but we just don't really see it. Right. Yeah. She had a moment where she like looked down at her hands in this past episode and I was like, oh, is this an OCD callback? And I was like, "Mm, I think she's just looking at her hands. Huh. So yeah, I don't know. I, I want the best for Bailey. Mm -hmm. She's been kind of like yelling at some interns and residents recently has been like giving me a pep in my She likes that. Yeah. That's her, that's her best work. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I, I would say that like, I think from kind of an objective perspective, she doesn't seem super happy or fulfilled. She seems extremely overworked, stressed out, and like uh, not. She's yeah, she's not. She doesn't seem like thrilled about her day to day. And now she's pregs. But now she's pregs. So maybe, maybe that's the end of sorrows. We hope, and for and on Grey's Anatomy, certainly a pregnancy oh, yeah. will be met with only. <clears throat> Ease and joy. I mean, I had this moment when she got pregnant. Sorry, I keep dropping my chapstick and I won't stop playing with it. So <laughs> sorry to listeners about that. Um, I had this moment where I was like, wow, Miranda Bailey, I wonder what she's like pregnant. And then I was like, we've actually already seen that <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah, but like she's so different now. She's so like, different 10 now. 10 years, you know? Yeah. Well, and there was also just, I mean, her pregnancy arc a lot of it had to do with like uh, the tension between like ambition and career advancement and what mm-hmm. it meant to be a mother. And there were fraught things in our marriage as well. And I do think that there's kind of an interesting, she has the career security now that like having a baby, like she worried that it would like put her behind and, and that she wouldn't be able to accomplish what she's accomplished. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be okay. I would say that like, I would say that this season, the first two to three episodes of this season, I felt were pretty heavily exposition. Like there wasn't a ton happening and it just felt like we just kept like checking in with like an endless number of characters. <laughs> but the last two episodes, which as people are listening to this, they're we're recording this a week before it comes out. So a new episode will air in between when we're recording when this comes out. But uh, I feel like the last couple episodes, it's like, okay, we've set the table. We kind of know what everyone's up to. And there are like some exciting things happening. Um, So I actually am like feeling pretty good about this season. And I felt like it was a slow start, but like for our own good. Right. Um, Like succession. Yeah. It's so funny. I was wondering, I was thinking about this season and thinking like, I wonder how much like with all these streaming shows, 
first of all, grades can do whatever they want for the most part. And like, they just don't have to, they don't have to every week, like keep you hooked or impress you in any particular way. Like they can kind of like take you along for a ride because everyone who's watching has been watching for like 10 years. And if you're still watching now, like you're not going to stop for one slow episode. Exactly. But I do think that there is this sort of like, there's this cultural phenomenon of like, it gets good around blank. Like it gets good around episode five, like hang in there for the first season. And then the second season is amazing, which is just something that has never previously existed on like broadcast TV because you need like ratings and, and like good reviews and everything by like episode one. Right. Otherwise you could get canceled or like whatever. And even if people do like you, you might still get canceled. And I do think that I was thinking like, I wonder how much the, uh, as much as people don't stick with shows for 15 seasons anymore, not that there are that many that have lasted that long. Right. Like, you know, they statistically people tend to drop off after the second season of a show. But it's like, I do wonder how much people have sort of developed strangely like reverse engineered patience of like, I'm trusting that this is going to get better because all of these other shows, like they always start off a little slow, but then they end up getting good. I don't know. But then at the same time, I'm like, there's so many shows that if you don't like it on the first episode, people are like, eh, I watched the first 30 minutes. I didn't like it. So I just switched immediately to something else and watched that instead. It's like, it's almost like peer pressured patience. Like, yes. I'll watch something. If my, especially I have a colleague at work, we sit next to each other. We talk all day long. We work on everything together. And if he watches something, I will at least try yeah. so that we have that to talk about. Like he'll listen to me talk about Housewives I'll ask him questions about his fantasy football. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to make it work. Yeah, that's uh, like any good work spouse. Yeah, truly. <laughs> there was a really good article that came out um, last week, uh, BuzzFeed, written by uh, Catherine Miller, that said the 2010s broke our sense of time. <gasps> and I really recommend it to everyone because I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think that as a, I think that Grace, like it, totally plays into this conversation basically talks about like there's certain like there's like a rhythm to life and that you things move chronologically and you measure measure things by like consistent bits of time and one of the ways that you do that is like by tv like that once a week you sit down and you watch something and to binge things but also for like the office to be the most watched show on Netflix. Like it inverts and kind of bends how we perceive like time and progress. And there's nothing that feels truly chronological. Like the algorithm doesn't work chronologically anymore. So it's like you are responding to tweets you saw that are like from 18 hours ago. Yeah, that's or old like news. two days ago. Yeah. And Instagram like doesn't oh, show you. That. Like it just, it really, it really just, uh, Everything layers on top of each other and it doesn't work. Wow. Chronologically, this is a real, that like, there's a for me. Th- yeah, there's like a sense of time that we have that we've that we like we're in peak TV, but with streaming platforms, it's like you can there you don't have to move chronologically, you don't have to move at any given like increment of time. Mm-hmm. Television is no longer this like journey that you necessarily go on over the course of years or even months that like bends time 
anyway, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about what it means for people who started watching Grey's by binging it versus Mm -hmm. people who started watching it week by week. And I do think it's like uh, most people I know who stopped watching Grey's watched it week to week. Right. And like it no longer became worth it to have an appointment or to like proactively make that make time. that time yeah but I have a lot of friends who I thought there's no way that they're gonna watch all 15 seasons and they just like there seemed like no natural stopping point they're like yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it as much but I just finished it like I have had multiple friends who have watched all through all of it and are now watching it currently in the last year and then I also have friends who like are in season five and there's no sign of stopping. And I'm like, a ton of people stopped watching in season five mm-hmm. when it was actually coming out because there was the Denny ghost and there was... Oh, that was a very tough Sadie time. and Owen. It's just, there was a lot of change. Yeah. Although I will say, I'm deeply attracted to Owen Hunt. You guys have the same last name and I'm wondering how much of that plays into it. And I'm from the South and it's tough. You okay, know, that's yeah. a tough look, but it's a real look. So <laughs> I'm just wondering if you're just like, I can really easily see this person as a husband because I'm I would already have to there. change my name. Yeah, exactly. He seems very strong and I would love a strong person in my life. I've you sp- know, I've spoken before about my friend Alex, who we call Lebo, who is watching for the first time and he keeps calling him Major Hunt in text to me. And I just <laughs> oh like, God. it really cracks me up. That's like, I don't, funny. he's just like, Major Hunt did this. I'm like, well, you have to stop <laughs> calling him that. It also just like gives him too much respect at this point for me. Fair. Has he? Oh, no. I'm not a fan, but I've also never really been a strong fan. So oh. it, so if, if you liked what you're getting early on, it's a lot. It You're probably you probably would be in good shape. Like I'm pretty broken with men. So and he seems like someone you'd really want to try to fix and you never could. Yeah. And that's wow. That's an that's a pool I could dip into for the rest of my life. I don't know. I wonder if you'll I wonder if you'll go back to it. Do you feel like you would ever return? I mean, it, it's season 11. I think that's. That's a tough. I'm. That's I've, a tough drop-off point. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that twelve and thirteen are great. Kept me going. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, there were there were some struggles with twelve and thirteen for me. I feel like I could be seduced back yeah. into it. I especially in this in this time in these times. You know, all I want to do when I watch TV is watch something that makes me feel good. Uh, like I watch a lot of housewives yeah, and they make me feel like I'm a good person and I love these women. I love them having these like big lives yeah. in, especially the ones who are like in their late forties, fifties. We don't get, we don't get these women living out loud the way we do on the housewives. And I do think Grey's Anatomy could fill that hole again. Yeah. And I, so I'm, I'm open. I have an open heart for it, but wow, I wish I had an open schedule, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard. I don't know. Yeah. You gotta just kind of let it come in when it's gonna, you know, you can't force it. No, and I it wouldn't. Because it won't work. And it would be disrespectful. Yeah, but also to yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just yeah. won't, it won't stick. But like one really bad like flu or mono and like I'm That's caught exactly up. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, you just need to get 
sick or have something horrible happen to yes. you. And then, you know, it's hard to say. Or like maybe you'll end up doing a rewatch and then just you won't stop where you stopped before. You That's know, very possible. Something eerie afoot. You know, it's hard to <laughs> hard to know. <laughs> it's a spooky Halloween season. Uh, you guys can could, see it. Yeah. Nicole's wheeling a monitor in yeah. uh, with the season one premiere. Don't mind this uh, it's a pilot. needle. Uh, it's just a little something to make you feel good. <laughs> Oh, so, okay, so we're doing the episode on Alice Gray, uh, which, oh, so excited. When you suggested it, I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe that, you know, Shayna Taub came on and we talked about complicated parent relationships oh, on yeah. the show with, like, adult children and their parents. And obviously, Meredith and Alice were a part of that. But, yeah, it, uh, I'm surprised that we haven't talked about her already because especially in the early seasons. I mean, she's like, a lot of ways the reason the show exists. Yeah. She's two specters in Meredith's life. Yes. Her legend and her downfall. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. What about Ellis, you know, made you want to to devote an episode to talking about her oh gosh i mean what didn't you know yeah she's, she's a woman who's not that likable yeah she loves her career she's not great with her daughter i don't no, know she's horrible with her daughter her i was romantic watching relationships yeah i was re i was re-watching basically every ellis scene in in, in anticipation of this recording <laughs> and it's like it's all tough yeah there there are there are like and it's not always her fault, but it's like for Meredith, I mean, there are just like basically no bright spots. Yeah. It's really, really challenging. And she doesn't, it's like just so interesting to see somebody who always makes the wrong emotional choice and is so brilliant at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm fascinated by her. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, we're going to get into a bunch of clips. First, we're going to take a quick break for an ad. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We have just had, uh, I bet you guys wish that you could hear it. It's a longer conversation <laughs> about the University of Arizona. You guessed it. Bear down, America. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I, I don't know if you do this, but every time I see someone who's wearing a U of A thing, I say bear down to them. And <gasps> almost 100% of the time, they look at me like, huh? and then I can see that it processes like, oh, She's saying bear down in reference to the University of Arizona piece of apparel that I'm walking. And like, we're already like feet and feet and feet away. Right. But yeah, I, someone in my building was wearing a U of A basketball sweatshirt and I was out walking my dog and he also had a dog, but he was holding the dog and it was covering most of the sweatshirt. And I was like, don't say bear down unless you know for sure. <laughs> and then he was like half in the building and half out. And I was like, say bear down later. And then I texted Branson, my boyfriend, and I was like, so a guy in our building was wearing a U of A sweatshirt and I'm worried I'm not going to see him again or he won't be wearing it. And Francis was like, you need <laughs> to kind of lean into um, your hobbies more like this podcast. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's weird. It's weird hometown pride. I yeah, like I write for Full Frontal Smith B and there are eight of us on the writing staff and one other person is also from Tucson. So Whoa. I actually we talk about like Tucson and EG's like Beyond Bread. Oh my god, Beyond Bread. Beyond Bread. If you Los listen Beatles. to this podcast and you like Beyond Bread, you have to tweet at me. <laughs> because let's talk. Joel's Joel, that's my sandwich. Ugh. 
Oh, wow. That's a great one. For me, Maya's yeah. Market. I think it's my a salad, My mom loves right? Maya's Market. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my gosh. You guys, this place. They <laughs> have they make, they bake bread in house for these huge-ass sandwiches. Oh, my God. Or a bread bowl. They a have bread bowl. the bread bowl to blow your mind. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have great, like, they have great uh, tomato soup. Oh, yes. Yeah. Per capita, Tucson has the best food in any place I've ever I been, in my opinion. I love that you say that. Yeah. I, I do think... And I swear we will get back to the much more important subject of Grey's Anatomy so soon. But I will say that, like, something I didn't know about growing up in Tucson, people always say about things about your hometown that, like, you don't realize were special until you came back. And I think that that's especially strange and true when you grew up grow up in something of a college town mm-hmm. because you also then find out that, like, certain things – like I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like there are certain things that I didn't realize were special about Tucson, but then I hear from people who went to U of A, like, oh yeah, that's like one of the selling points of being there or something like that. But and like so, you know, the mountains are something that I didn't realize until I came back and uh, I was like, oh my God, these are beautiful. So like how gorgeous. did I not know that they're beautiful? <laughs> I looked at them every single day when I was going to school, but it was like, I just like didn't realize until later. It was like, oh, these are beautiful. But another thing that I didn't realize is that like the Mexican food in Tucson is oh my God. completely unique. It's not because it's not like a fusion with anything else. It's not Tex-Mex. It's not Baja. It's not anything else. It's truly just pure Mexican food. Uh, and there are so many elements of Mexican food that you that I know to be like staples but mm-hmm. aren't in other things. So it's like there are no tamales. There are no chimichangas. There are no like, you know, the refried beans aren't made with lard. Sorry. And it's like it all t- <laughs> it, like so. I mean, I just when I go home, it's I I really it's the best. It is the best Mexican food. Oh my God, if you no, ever, I'm starving for oh Tucson. If you're listening to the podcast and you're from Tucson or if you've been to Tucson or if you're visiting Tucson and you ever want any recommendation or something like that, that, that is just something that like it's so special about getting older and your hometown becomes like such a important part of who you are and like you learn to appreciate it, but also critique it in certain ways. And I just I love Tucson and the food is genuinely very, very good. And I will always, always, always be thrilled to give recommendations to anyone. Also, I've never seen the Grand Canyon. So if anyone has any recommendations for me about that. <laughs> oh, I've been when we were kids, we <laughs> rode mules down the Grand Canyon. It was a big thing for my mom. Oh she my was God. like, you will have this experience. That's amazing. I have never. Yeah, it's crazy to grow up in Arizona. But also what people don't know when you're not from my side of the country is our states are much bigger. They're you can so be driving for like eight hours and you're still in Arizona and that's not the case on this side of the country. Okay, listen. Ellis Gray <laughs> wow. is an incredible an incredible surgeon and and we in the in the pilot you like learn that this uh this voiceover this like narration that Meredith is doing is actually being told to her mom about her first day while her mom is in this Oof. uh in this like facility. Uh because she has Alzheimer's and it's like one of the best like ending moments in a pilot ever where you're like, oh, my God, this legend who she is like has to measure up to and all that. She's like the sole caretaker for her mm-hmm. and she is not and she's like not herself. She's not well or lucid or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> But the first moment chronologically that at least we're talking about today is one that you selected, which is from the finale. Oh, I said that the first season had. 13 episodes, but I was wrong. It has nine. Wow, anyway, that's a real breeze. Self-fact check. It was a mid-season premiere. There are things that um, 
went into that, of course. Anyway, this is so this is the first season finale. Uh, great episode. I'm currently looking at a woman who's about to cry because this is a uh, Burke's friend whose wife is pregnant by not him because Ugh. he's sterile. It's so good. Anyway. Uh, this moment that you chose is there, there's kind of this recurring thing happening through the episode, which is the woman from the facility is calling Meredith throughout the day saying, like, can you come visit uh, your mother? Uh, you know, there's family and friends night tonight or like whatever it is. And it's she, so much guilt. It's yes. so much guilt. She's with like, this woman. you know, you never come and visit. You've never come to a single night. Yes. And this woman has a gorgeous office and like yeah, a huge, beautiful this office. This is a nice nursing home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's clearly like a very, very nice because we also later see Ellis's bedroom, too. And it's like it's very nice. It's clearly gorgeous. like it's. Given, like, the horrible circumstances, there's, like, a quality of life that is happening, which is really good. Anyway, as you will also recall, so this is also, like, one of the last things that happens before Addison shows up. But basically, the la- the scene that we, uh, that I selected that you, you requested is uh, Meredith, who said, like, oh, I'll try and make it, ends up not going because she has surgery. And the woman calls to, like, guilt Oof. trip her. And Meredith uh, speaks with her and then talks to Derek. So that's that's the first scene we're going to watch from uh, the end of season one. I know, but something came up, an important surgery, and I couldn't. I'm just sorry you couldn't be there for your mother. Miss Henry, if my mother were lucid, she would understand. She's a surgeon. She's done this countless times. And besides, she doesn't even know who I am anyway, so. Today she did. What? Your mother's been asking when her daughter Meredith gets off from work. Hey. Hey. A lot of secret phone calls today. Yeah, it's my mother. She isn't traveling. She isn't writing a book. She isn't anything. I've been lying to everyone. Why? She has Alzheimer's. How advanced? Very. She's in a home, and I'm the only one who even knows she's sick. I just don't know what to do anymore, you know? Oh. Such a good scene. And I am Misty. Yeah. Well, the moment where you see her kind of make the decision to tell him is mm-hmm. really well acted. Yeah. And it it's like Ellis took Meredith away, mm-hmm. grew her in a world where she was isolated, Yeah, and then got sick, further isolating her. So then it's like so brave of Meredith to like let somebody in. Right. And- and Ellis has so much pride and uh, and like kind of has like self-stigmatized her illness. Mm-hmm. And Meredith, who I think has felt like a failure of a daughter and like she owes her mom something. Like I think that's like one of the only things that she can really fulfill is like just keeping the secret for her. And so I also think that it's like to kind of opt into what feels like a betrayal is really uh, like it's really difficult yeah. I yeah With I Derek yeah Ugh, and he's touching her hair yeah. and her bangs are 
so specific to that time oh period. Oh my gosh, her hair is in that first first two seasons. There's just the layers. There's a lot to love. It's a, I I want to get that haircut now. Honestly, I'm I looking at it and thinking too I got thick it. and bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to say for sure, and I don't know the <laughs> official terms, but I think my hair might be, in a, in a couple words, too thick and too bad. Industry standard terms. Yeah. Uh, we Okay, so the next episode, the next season uh, that I chose something from is actually season three, um, where there's actually quite a lot of Ellis stuff. So uh, Richard has started visiting her. And uh, Adele, like, is not thrilled about it for legitimate reasons. Totally fair. Adele, a very reasonable and lovely woman. Yeah. You know. And so he kind of says, like, I'm going to fall back, uh, essentially. And there's this horrible scene where, I mean, I just, my heart really like was breaking as I was watching all these things chronologically today because there is so much going on with Meredith, obviously as the protagonist of the show, Mm -hmm. that when you just isolate a a string like this and see actually what her experience is like with her only family and her support, what's supposed to be a support system, who's supposed to be a role model, all this like pressure professionally being her daughter and all this stuff, like... It's not just being treated poorly. It's witnessing Ellis's agony. Mm -hmm. Like Ellis is so tortured and so unhappy and and at times really cruel. And like to be the recipient and the witness to that is just like it's exhausting and really sad. Yeah. And it's like at times tough to watch. And this scene, which I like. I don't think I've ever watched outside of a context of just seeing the whole episode is really tough. So this scene I chose is um, Meredith tells Ellis that Richard isn't going to be visiting anymore. Oh, and uh, okay, I'm holding so, the table. I know. Okay, here we go. I'm glad you came to visit. But you can't stay. I'm expecting someone. Actually, Mom, he's not coming. What? The chief. Richard. He's not coming tonight. It's, in fact, it's just gonna be me for a while. He's gone back to Adele? Yes. Of course he has. Mom. He's afraid. Afraid to be happy. And I'm all alone. Now I have to raise my daughter alone. How am I expected to do that? Mom. You did the best you could. You did the best you could. That's all anybody can do. Oh, wow. Isn't that tough? I mean. It's really like. Because, oh, God, I just, it's, it, it, he, because 
<laughs> like he did promise her he would leave Adele and then yes. she leaves Thatcher, which like woof to Thatcher. But like, yes. I, and now she has to relive this heartbreak again. I know. And there's something seeing like for someone who is so career oriented, who uh, focused so much on her than her romantic life before her daughter and Meredith is like the product of that and has to kind of live with that emotional trauma of like neglect and kind of the weird, you know, psychological damage that that does to you to kind of see that like there was a moment where Ellis was like, how am I like, what about my daughter? Like, how am I supposed to do this by myself? And also, I just think it's so well written because Meredith isn't able to really say like, I love you. It's going to be okay. Or like, she like, still kind of has this block like she can't actually she just like all she can say is like you did the best you could which I think there's something kind of heartbreaking about that and but also so gracious like to like to Ellis who she probably was the best mother she could be it's like that uh you know in the movie the Yaya Sisterhood when yes. she's like, don't don't make like do you, don't make the mama to be the one who does or the daddy be the one who does all the hugging. Yeah, it's like it's like that thing. Like not every mom is meant to be a big old sweetie, you know. Yeah, and it's it is sad to see, but it's great television. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I just a couple episodes later, I also pulled. Um, this moment where she's back at the home with Ellis and Ellis now is kind of like living in this world in which Richard has left her and she starts saying some really hurtful things. And I wanted to play that as well, just also to kind of show uh, how difficult it must be for Meredith. He's with that woman, his wife. I don't think he is, not anymore. He is. I mean, why would he do that? He loves me. I mean, why would he go back to her? I give up everything for him. Mom. Mom, look at me. This happened a very long time ago. This is not happening now. It's because I have a daughter, isn't it? He always said he didn't want kids. I should never have had a kid. Yeah. Man, you just. I just I it's I like actually can't really imagine what it would be like to be said told that by your mom. I'm, like it's already traumatic enough that your mom doesn't know you. Like I I used to wait tables. One time I waited on the actress who plays Miranda Bailey. Uh Chandra. <laughs> uh but I waited on this family and the father was like pretty deep into, I think, dementia or Alzheimer's and the daughter was so wound up, you know, like he just wanted limes. Like she was like, if you could just bring us a bunch of limes more than you think. And I like brought them a big plate of limes and it was like, that was it. That's all he needed. But she was so just, and he wasn't, he was just wanting limes, you know, he wasn't saying, I wish you'd never been born. So like what a compound trauma for Meredith, but also... You like if you take Meredith out of it, which is hard, but like 
you just see Ellis who wanted so much and she feels like, wow, I never got it right. Yeah. I never nailed it down. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the next episode that, that uh, we have is like one with a lot of different parts to it because it's the one where she ends up getting admitted to the hospital and you selected some moments from this episode and so did I. The first one is one that I selected, which is like she's lucid and ugh, Kate Byrne is such an incredible actress. And so like, talented. And like you see, she just like is she just she holds herself completely differently and her lucidity. It's like she really is like a different person uh in like less pain at least like to start and so one of the first moments in this episode is meredith having to explain to her mom who was this brilliant surgeon that she has alzheimer's and i mean from there the rest of the episode is obviously um pretty rough but uh we'll just kick it off with this starting moment which i don't think we've played yet on this podcast before Dr. Bailey, a little support. Very thoughtful, Dr. Sloan. Think I'll join you. Gentlemen, if you'll excuse me. Okay, this is the Certainly. tail end of the scene. Yes, and and the... Just a lot of sexy men talking to each other. Meredith, what is going on? When did you get back from Europe? I went to Europe for two months. But that was... I've been sitting here thinking about the fight we had. The things I said. I, I, I said some terrible things. It's fine. No, it's not. After you left, I, I was upset. Did I, did I have a, a breakdown? I must have had a nervous breakdown. I'm in a... Is this a hospital? Because I can't remember anything for the past two months, Meredith. The last thing I remember is the fight we had. And, and listen, if you don't want to go to medical school, that is fine. It is your life. Just, just take me home. I went to medical school. I, I want to go home, Meredith. I, I need to go home. You are home. I went to Europe five years ago. You got sick. You have Alzheimer's. This is your home. You live here now. No. No. Mom. No. Mom. 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 Somebody call nine one one. Ugh. Very hard to watch. Man, and you do just see like. She's so human and she's so sorry. You know? Yeah. No, I know. It's like you see her like smile, like mm-hmm. kind of for the first time, at least like to Meredith about her. It's very, yeah, uh, very rough. Um, you chose a couple moments from this episode, including uh, the very famous uh, moment where she kind of asks Meredith, like, what's your life like? And uh, things go south. We've played this on the podcast before, but you got to play it. I mean, it's Ellis Gray's episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's by far just like the the most iconic. I mean, it becomes really like a, a mantra, if not like a like it's a theme for the whole. It's a, for the whole uh, series. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Here we go. Well, (laughs) what's your life like? I uh, really do want to know you, Meredith. Well, I have a boyfriend. Does he understand the demands of your career? Because not all men do. They say they do up front, but they... He's great. He's a doctor, too, so he gets it. Good. He's actually... Have you chosen a specialty? No, it's 
still early. Christine has already chosen cardiothoracics. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just waiting to be inspired. I'm happy now. You know, I feel like I know who I am. Plus, I think when you have someone in your life that you love, you really love, I think that's... I don't know, I just... I'm really happy. What happened to you? What do you mean? You're happy? You're happy now? The Meredith I knew was a force of nature. Passionate, focused, a fighter. What happened to you? You've gone soft. Stammering about a boyfriend and, and saying that you're waiting to be inspired. You're waiting for inspiration. Are you kidding me? I have a disease for which there is no cure. I think that would be inspiration enough. Mom. Listen to me, Meredith. Anyone can fall in love and be blindly happy, but not everyone can pick up a scalpel and save a life. I raised you to be an extraordinary human being. So imagine my disappointment when I wake up after five years and discover that you're no more than ordinary. What happened to you? It's really good. It's 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 hard. Like that one's also hard to watch, but it's just like it's so fucking good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And you think like, wow. If my mom said that to me, I would be. I would pass away. Devastated. I literally would cease to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just would be. It would be so. It is so hurtful, and it's like I think I may have said this when I previously played this on the podcast, but like you kind of get the idea that Meredith is just taking the path of least resistance in order to kind of give an easy answer in order to just be like, you don't have to worry about me. Everything's I'm doing fine. well. I'm fine. I have someone in my life. Like, this is good. I've achieved something. I mean, you know, she's stable. a resident. Like, that's so impressive. You know, like, her accomplishments are so impressive. Yes. And, yeah, it's just very... Yeah, it's just, it's, there's nothing like, there's nothing that you can, once her mom gets going, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're just stuck in that. You have to wait until she finishes. And I mean, and she's also, you got to think Ellis is like, don't make the mistakes that I made. Yes. You know? Well, and like, yeah. And later this moment is unpacked a thousand different ways um, before it's, you know, kind of understood correctly by Meredith when she finally goes through therapy, which is really overdue. And like, <laughs> it adds this also element to like Ellis seems to not totally and I think this is true in a lot of like close relationships Ellis seems to not completely understand the impact that she's had on her daughter like and what Meredith has noticed like Ellis probably doesn't think in any given moment I attempted suicide in front of my daughter and told her not to call the police um, she's otherwise she'd be in trouble like she that probably isn't like something that's at the forefront of her mind but obviously like these kind of like deep emotional events that Ellis manipulated like those are it, it's very that's the you know it's the undercurrent of every interaction that they have like it's a true miracle that Meredith Grey is a functioning adult uh, right. when you think about everything and it, like just I mean with her mother forget about all the there. other things yeah. yeah yeah and I guess she flounders but we all flounder <laughs> yeah but I think that like something that I I and Alana Bennett's episode was about this about like Meredith's kind of suicidal ideation and just what uh kind of what that means both 
for her and kind of seeing that in the context of like her relationships and what it means to watch it. It's like there is a certain legacy of um, of like shame in the family. Like it is it is embarrassing. It is bad to not be in control of anything. And when you're in love with someone, you are not in control of yeah. that. And like that is something that that is uh, frowned upon, I guess, to put it lightly by Ellis. <laughs> yeah, you're a surgeon. You have like all the power in the world. Yes. Don't give it away. Well, and you chose this next clip, which I, I was so glad you did because I kind of had forgotten about it, where this is one of the several moments um between Christina and Ellis. Oh my god. I like it, you just think like if Ellis hadn't succumbed yeah. to Alzheimer's, you know, if she hadn't fallen ill, she could have been such an incredible teacher. But right. then also would she have been worse to be in the hospital well, with me? Well, it's interesting cuz I was watching the If Then episode today finally uh cuz <laughs> it's been coming up a lot in these episodes kind of seeing like what does the show believe that Ellis would be like as a chief of surgery? And the way that they kind of paint her is being sort of like a little selfish, a little petty, like kind of cutting down people around her like uh I mean she's like kind of a narcissist. Like she's right. extremely averse to and sensitive to any feelings of humiliation, of being belittled. She needs to be in control. She needs to be the most impressive. She needs to be the best. And there's kind of like this faux humility where she creates this, like the job becomes, she becomes like something of a dictator where it's like anyone who challenges her, anyone who doesn't support her then becomes fired or taken down a peg or whatever it may be. And I think that, that is not like necessarily what I would have envisioned of like yeah. how she would be. Like, I guess you would kind of hope that she would be better than that. But then you look about, look at how she was as a mother. And it's like, I guess, you know, people don't necessarily reserve their best or worst parts for certain arenas of their life on purpose. Like a lot of times the way that someone treats someone in one situation it just becomes a microcosm for how they are in like a in a larger setting yeah so but I, I yeah. could see her I don't know in this scene which sorry we will we will watch oh, uh, yeah. but in, oh, in this yeah. scene it, you just feel like she had a lot to teach and I I th- I feel like there's a world where she becomes like this big supporter of like women doctors and like some people who aren't good at being nurturing are still good at educating yeah yeah I don't know it's it's like someone who is that it's so hard because I mean in so many different like male dominated industries there is kind of a generation of women who were the first to be the first yes uh who sort of have this they don't want to feel like their success and how difficult and belittling and like uh, painful it was to get to that point. They don't want it to seem like uh, trivialized in any way. So they have this philosophy of like, well, clearly it's not impossible because I was able to do it. Like yeah. if the, you maybe you're not working hard enough. And like I do sometimes feel that like Ellis believes that like pain is like necessary. Like suffering is it makes you is, great. Yeah, like suffering is like a part of the process. Like mm-hmm. the way that she. She feels that, well, this will come up in this clip, but like (laughs) the way that she feels that like 
it you sacrifice something vital by giving any part of yourself up to a romantic partner or to a family or something like that. And that the only way to truly be great is to give like as close to 100% of yourself to the job as possible. And I think that like Christina senses that and sort of anticipates that when she asks this question about Burke having proposed to her. Um, so I, I guess we'll watch it and then we'll keep talking about it afterwards, but um, here we go. Looks like SVT. <sighs> Pushed in of adenosine and pushed Dr. Burke. He's already gone into surgery. I'll get the adenosine. Carotid massage. Carotid massage. Carotid massage? Can we move the heart and stop the SVT? Okay, okay. Hold on, please. Uh, hold on, please. Hold on, please. Hold on, hold on. Okay. You're good. Sharp under pressure. You'll make an extraordinary surgeon. Dr. Gray, I need to ask you, will it get in my way? Can I have both? Can I be a great surgeon and have a life? Because there is this man who just asked me to marry him, and I know you tried to have both, but you split up with Meredith's dad, and I know this is none of my business. It is none of your business. <laughs> interesting wow the music is so good yeah it just takes me right back i know oh my gosh yeah it's interesting i it's like surprising that she would like confess that and say that i guess there's like a read in which that's kind of the first time that she's realized that yeah and like she's so weekend like she can't yeah like there's no like reserves to put up any sort of front she's almost died and she's like emotionally exhausted yeah yeah oh well you even chose one more moment from this episode i mean (laughs) this was a great it's a really really good ellis episode but it's this moment where that she has with richard at the end um i don't know it's this like really bittersweet I mean that's not even the right word it's sad but it's like it there's a kindness that that Richard does for her by like kind of he you can meeting see her where how she much is. He loved her yeah maybe loves her I don't know yeah I don't know I mean I don't think I don't think that he regrets no. his decision no, at all. But I do think that like, and there's like, there's something like, I mean, like in the traditional sense of the word, like there's something pathetic, like there's like, like pathos, like with like what, it, you know, to watch someone who, uh, who is suffering like this. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other way that you want to set up the clip before I play it? Um, I feel like, 
you know in True Blood when they say like when everyone is like scared that the vampire is going to steal Sookie's light? Yes, I actually really do remember that. I that hit me so much in True Blood of like don't give up your power to a man. And I I feel that theme so strongly in this episode and in like everything Ellis says to Meredith and to Christina and then she confronts the person she would have been willing to give up her light for in a yeah. way, you know, and confronts that in herself. That's such an interesting read on it. Let's watch. Would trust me. I heard you're having surgery tomorrow. Do you? Do I know who Meredith is? Do I at least recognize Meredith? You know she's someone important. Someone who loves you. You look out for her. Because she's got so much more to learn and I won't be able to teach her. I'll look out for her. I wish I could go back. I'd do everything so differently. I'd fight harder for you. I think it, if I'd fought harder for you, maybe. We would have had a wonderful life together, Ellis. Do you think so? I do. We would have done our fellowship here. And then you would have fought me for chief and probably won. <laughs> and I wouldn't have minded because we'd have kids at home. We have kids? Meredith would have needed a brother and sister. Kids need family. We would have been a family. Probably bought that big house on Parker, the one with the barn. Yeah, that's a good place for a family. And I would have been happy. Just like Meredith says, she's happy. And that would have changed everything. Maybe. I would be fine if we could grow all together in life would be so perfectly ordinary. Yeah. My life is so unfinished. It's unfinished and I'm not finished. No, no Alice. Don't think that. Just close your eyes. And think of the family, of the house. And you there every night to come home to. And me there. I'm there. Uh, that really got me. Yeah, I didn't I watch that all the way through earlier. <laughs> Which was a mistake because I could have really prepped myself I, I in a more it. responsible way. It didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I just he. Well, there's he something would never about have been happy. No, and there's also something about uh, like Richard failed two people he loved, like by having the affair with Ellis and having it go on and so long and the fashion that it did. He failed Adele, and they never had kids, and she was. I mean, but like that abandoned. also, she had that wild stillborn baby that lived inside of her. So like, yeah, I 
I think about poor Adele. I think about I know. Woof. I, her life. But it's like at the same time, it's like he also, no one ended up happy. Yeah. Like, he made you know, all the worst he, decisions yes, for everyone. That bo- both of them, both of them suffered because of his decisions and, and lack of decisions in some cases. And I think that, I don't know. I mean, I, I something that becomes truer with time and with rewatches and, and, that like I think that that moment represents is like there is something so hard to understand and really upsetting about the idea that's like you just have one life and yeah. it's and that you're dealt this certain hand and like for her to say like I if I just tried hard enough right it, and it's like but also, if you tried hard to get over him, you could have had this. With, you know, it's just like. Right. There are so few things that are in your control. And one of the things that she's pretending that she could have, like, you know, that if she had made different decisions, that this moment in which she was dying of Alzheimer's would not really be happening. But the thing is, is that you're just your brain chemicals, the things that you have, like, for the most part, it's just from the moment that you're born, it lays out this path in front of you. And I think that there's something so, like so like difficult and unfair about the hand that obviously many many people are dealt and like watching someone have to confront that of realizing like I have regrets yeah (laughs) I did I am not I am not proud I'm not done like but that is not but nothing nothing about that is up to me I can't stop it I can't control when I'm loosened or when I'm not I can't control when I die like all that stuff is really, I don't know, you know, the older you get, the more you think about that stuff and the more you realize that like this certain expectation that if you do things correctly, that you're going to be able to be happy and healthy and have certain like that expectations that you've had are going to be fulfilled is really, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the lottery of birth is like a devastating concept that is very, very hard to understand when you're young. That, but the older you get, you're like, oh, my God, it's just like so much of it. It's just out of so many people's control. It's so and it and you don't and have there's any. no way to know until <laughs> yeah. until you're like, oh, no, oh, no. And then it's yeah. too late. I, I Yeah. And, and it is like you also watch that and you're like, well, he didn't want to have kids. And no. he, you know, and he's, he's yeah, giving he, he her plays such along. a beautiful last thing to think about. Yeah. It's, it is like, it is a moment of, of like momentary selflessness. Mm-hmm. That's like, just, I don't know. It's so like, it's so marred by the fact that like, she won't have to, she won't have to like like she'll eventually forget that this conversation ever happened and stuff like that he can make any promise yeah which also you would imagine he probably made a lot of promises during their affair oh my god and then to Adele poor sweet Adele I know okay we just have a couple we just have a couple more so I chose the moment in the drowning episode which is just a few episodes later where Meredith having flatlined sees in this like you know this like in between space where Denny and Doc the dog and Bonnie from the train episode and um, 
Kyle Chandler who well, died with a bomb. Like you about Bonnie. Now oh I'm going my God. again. I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, it's okay. I, I, you didn't do it. You know, I just have a lot Shonda of practice. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> just have a lot of practice thinking about all this stuff because it's all I do. Um, yeah, there's this moment where she has admitted to Denny, which we talked. I talked about recently in an episode um, with. Uh, uh, where we talked about best speeches, um, and sorry, I like started looking at Netflix and I lost my train of thought. Okay, so um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just okay. So basically, in the episode about greatest speeches, one of the ones that we talked about was that uh, when Meredith is like in that in between space and she admits that she sort of stopped fighting and that she like let go and kind of let herself like die yeah and after that moment she like in this kind of like dream space place she sees ellis and you know we later know and meredith knows that like by seeing her in this place it means that ellis has also died but there's this moment where there's oh, the resolution. I'm so glad you picked this clip. Yeah. Oh, I love this. It's like great and it's also just very, very sad. Um so Meredith has flatlined and it's like kind of this she's been told like, you know, you that you only have this finite amount of time to like make a decision, do what you need to do and fight and do all this stuff. And she uh, is like stalling and being weird and like in denial. And then she has this moment with Denny where she admits that she stops fighting. And then she sees, she's flatlined in real life and she sees Ellis and that's the moment that, um, I'm going to play. You shouldn't be here. Neither should you. Just keep going. Don't be a damn. You are, you are anything but ordinary Meredith. Okay, holding compressions. so many layers to it i didn't play this moment but there's this moment at the end so the the one episode i played where uh she's like i should have never had kids at the end of the episode meredith is back with her mom and uh and her mom is like uh, like spinning out again and meredith makes this decision to hug her and it like 
kind of like calms her down. Which that's real. And like, has that's this, like a real yeah, medical. And she has this phenomenon. moment where she's like, Meredith? That's the last moment of the episode. There's just like so much of what happens in there, I think, where it's like, there's a moment of like, you shouldn't be here, neither should you. It's like they both know, like, the, you know, we're both not supposed to die. And then the and then Ella starts like kind of like becoming indignant again and being like, don't do this. Don't do that. And she's you see her like stop herself and like decide to give her a hug instead. And then like you see her like gain the awareness that it's a goodbye and that. Yeah. And then just like, you know, kind of these like parting words and telling her to run. It's yeah. just very like. It's very well done and I feel like it it's God, it just like ties in so many moments from the season. And gives like Meredith's last moment with her mom. Oh, like I know. A moment where her mom is rooting for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I wanted to also just play this moment where she like, you know, they don't know if she's gonna have brain function, all the stuff, and she wakes up and she uh looks at Derek. And she's she knows that her mom is dead, which is like I think about this moment all the time. I, I don't like I, I don't know why, but it just it's like honestly not far from my mind at any given point. <laughs> but uh, OK, so this is that this last moment. Oh, I know. Just always the woman who has just been left out in the cold by a man on this show. Yeah. Addison does not have an easy go of it. No. Uh, Even though her hair is so beautiful. I know. Someone with hair that amazing. You think can like suffer. if she if she can feel that way, I broke my straightener today. <laughs> you know, like this is my last good hair day for God knows how long. Yeah. Oh God. And <laughs> um what hope do I have? I know. Uh, I really like that scene, even though it's just like, I don't need, I, I really, I, there's something so strange about like why I feel. Is it because it's like otherworldly it. and like sweet almost? I think it's just like, part of it I feel like is this feeling of relief of like, she's a, like, I don't, I don't know. I really, I, I really don't know how to put it into words. It's like. There's the fact that she, I maybe it's just that by knowing, it's like that it was real, like that she actually had this moment with like the actual Ellis, and it wasn't just this like figment of her imagination. It's like this moment of her by being right, she knows that it's that she had this closure and that yeah. she's gonna be okay. I think that just like it really like moves me, and it also feels like. I don't know, it just feels like real world hopeful to me in some way that like yeah. it's possible to kind of have these like 
unexplainable, strange experiences that like give you peace in mm-hmm. moments that are like genuinely like it seemed impossible to attain that. Um, we have one final clip that I just had to do as a bit of an honorable mention of an Alice <laughs> moment, which is when Sarah Paulson plays Alice in a flashback. Oh my god, great! Oh boy, great choice! Oh my gosh, it's such a good episode. This is the episode in season six where uh, there's like the uh, do they call it an M M&M and M in this, or is it just something else? Where it's basically like there's oh, it's so smart how they do it. It's like three different doctors. It's uh, Callie. Bailey and Richard are telling stories about like medical experiences and and you see them like telling up talking about them and through flashbacks. Oh my and gosh. Ka- Bailey's story in this episode yeah. is so Oh my fun. gosh, Mitt with Missy Pyle. Oh incredible. It's where like she uh is like she's this bespectacled uh intern, maybe even if not a resident. I think maybe she's a first year resident or something, and then uh, Callie is talking about fixing, um, I think, club feet uh, on a patient. Oh, and then yeah. and then Richard, who is kind of like in some ways disgraced at this point, comes in to talk about uh, treating a patient with AIDS with Ellis Gray in the 80s. And it's a great episode and there are all sorts of flashbacks and stuff like that. And there wasn't like really a, a like a singular moment um with Ellis and obviously Sarah Paulson's amazing, but there's this moment, the moment at the end where you see the first time that Richards has had a drink, which is oh, rough, oh. especially because it's so full circle because the whole reason why Richard is disgraced and why he's out of the job has to do with his alcoholism and stuff like that. And you see that like, they're both, you know, she's the only woman in the program. He's the only black person in the program. They are ostracized. They're belittled. Uh, and they band together and it's like you see that like their romance was born not just out of like mutual attraction and like you lust. know all the lust and all the stuff it's like it it's it's about this this like connection that they have as like the underdogs of the program and the determination to like be believed and to be taken seriously and to rise up and and to feel closeness with somebody you can't do this alone you need someone to bounce those ideas off of and like treat uh you know uh treat patients with and stuff like that so anyway there's this moment at the end after the 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 patient with aids dies and ellis and and uh and richard are at the bar and she sort of bullies him. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to watch this as our as our last clip. To Philip. May he rest in peace. You can't toast a dead Irishman with a soda pop, Richard. Get this man a vodka, Frankie. Oh, yeah. Come right up. You know I can't stand the taste of that stuff. It's time to learn. You're a grown-up, Richard. It's time to act like it. I can't leave her, Ellis. I can't. We'll see.
<sighs> end of episode. Wow. End of an era. End of an era. Ugh. She's you? such a hard woman. She's in a lot of pain. She's deeply unhappy. Yeah. And she really takes it out on the people around her. And not all of the reasons why she's unhappy are her fault. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's complicated. It's such a, it, she, it's, it's a great character. Mm-hmm. And she's I, a villain you root for, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, it's a more natural uh, and like equally relevant uh like point about Grey's to say that like as much as it's about the love stories and stuff like that it's about Meredith and Christina and I think that's entirely true but I do think that like the the trauma the baggage the expectation and of being raised by that parent Mm -hmm. and to be alone and to not know how to be loved properly or to love other people in like a genuine way like that is that is Meredith's journey yeah and that is like that is what she is saddled with at the beginning of the series and what makes her so complicated and like activating it it makes her relationship with uh with Derek and with Christina and with George and with like with Alex all these people who are willing to really fight for her yeah in a way where she's never been fought for it contextualizes those yes messy relationships really beautifully yeah, it, and it's just, there's the perfect amount of Ellis. I think it's just, I think it's so well done. I'm so glad that we got to talk about it. Oh, thank you so <sighs> much. What a, I have chills from this trip down memory lane. Oh my gosh. I mean, same. I, <laughs> you know, sometimes I know I'm going to cry and other times it takes me by surprise. And this one, I really didn't know that I was going to get like super choked up. But mm-hmm. there some of those just like really, really got me. Um, so where, where can people find you? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I would love to be found. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I do improv at UCB Lloyd Knight. Woot woot. Uh, and I'm in a running show there called a backline. I also do stand up all over town. Follow me at Amanda Hunt and kiss on Twitter and Instagram for show date. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.